Hey traders, welcome to the 35th episode of the Parfumante podcast, where uh, in December we're doing a podcast every single day. So thank you very much for tuning in yet again for some crypto news and a uh, little bit of, I guess, US economics, uh, politics, and uh, ended off with some ledger coverage. So thank you very much again for coming to uh, yet another podcast, and I'll hand it over on to Nathan. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. The day is December 22nd. We are three days away from Christmas. Crazy just how quick December has flown by. I think it's just kind of a product of all of the craziness that's been happening, whether it's Bitcoin pumping, FUD hitting the media, election news, COVID vaccines. There's a, a lot of moving pieces so far in December. We got a couple more days to finish off the year, but just to start off this episode, we got some news coming at you just to keep you updated about the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. It has not been filed yet, but the the Ripple Foundation is expecting a lawsuit to be filed before Christmas, uh, basically concerning the illegal sale of unregistered securities. The amount in question is $1.3 billion, which is approximately 15% of Ripple's total market cap. And honestly, I feel like within the scheme, within the world of crypto, there's FUD, and then there's legitimate legal cases that have a lot of moving components. Like in 2016, 2017, we would see news like India to ban all cryptos, North Korea to ban all cryptos, and that kind of news would tank the market. And I think that was just a stage of relative immaturity that we've seen. But now, SEC versus crypto, this or SEC versus Ripple, rather, this is, in my opinion, one of the most legitimate news stories to actually create a cause for concern within the scheme of crypto because we haven't seen a head-to-head -head of a government entity versus a crypto corporation. That's what kind of makes Ripple different in this situation is there is an operator behind the cryptocurrency. It's not like you can just sue Bitcoin. Bitcoin's on computers and servers around the world. You can't just sue Monero, although the FBI would probably love to sue them for facilitating drug, drug, <laughs> drug exchange, money laundering, terrorism, whatever it may be. But that's not how it works. But when you operate basically a money service company similar to Ripple, there is that backing, there is that institution, and the SEC is not happy with how they've been acting. And basically the key talking point here is that Ripple is filed as a currency while the SEC thinks they should be a security. One interesting comparison that kind of came to mind when me and Keith were talking about this beforehand is that in principle, Ripple is a money service company. They are providing that international payment system, that international network to facilitate commerce between two parties. In some essence, that's not really any different than a company like PayPal. They're working in that digital industry. They're working to move balance, balances across the globe at very high speeds. In principle, they operate in a very similar mechanism. It's just that PayPal uses digital balances with fiat currency, while Ripple has their own blockchain crypto to facilitate that transfer of value. So there is a little bit of different dynamics in play, but the key difference here is PayPal is a security, it is a company, and it is not treated as a currency. Ripple 
has a similar outcome in terms of the transfer of value, but they're classified as a currency and not a security, despite there being some central entity pulling the strings to make it all happen. So in that essence, when you kind of look at it from the top-down perspective, it seems like Ripple's found themselves in some pretty hot water. Yeah, I think SEC wanted to target someone, um, and XRP, I would say, is trying to get through the hoops. But at this point, I think um, you can't call it quits at this point. But, uh, you know, at a what was it, a 95% win rate or something at the SEC for any cases that they do take on. So uh, their win rate is extremely high, so they don't take on cases that have a low chance. So we'll see where it goes. The uh, overall TA in price action looks absolutely terrible. It's it's plummeting, and you can kind of see the $0.30 cent range is going to be the major level of support. Pretty strong level of confluence with a series of higher lows along with the horizontal zone creating that intersection between the two supports. So that's around 30 cents. If it does follow um, the TA, we'll see a nice retest. But if it does break down, obviously, um, we'll have to change plans. So we will definitely keep everyone updated on uh, the news in terms of the fundamentals as well as the TA for XRP. But right now, it's really retracing back basically almost all the gains that it's created from the strong push kind of around in the uh, late November time so that's going to be the news on xrp now we're going to be moving on to a bank in puerto rico called neobank and they're actually announcing that they're going to be offering custodial services for both bitcoin and ethereum uh, for both retail and institutional investors and what this offers is if people are let's say less confident in navigating the crypto sphere by themselves buying a hardware wallet purchasing in their native currency whatever cryptocurrency they're looking to purchase transferring that cryptocurrency into a different wallet and different address um, it can kind of be overwhelming to some people it's understandable especially for the older generation so this offers a service where they don't actually have to do any of that they buy a certain amount of shares let's say or they allow a third party to facilitate the holding of cryptocurrencies you could go through grayscale so then you could buy a certain amount of shares that represent a certain amount of bitcoin um, and then this would be just a custodial service so then they would be able to hold your assets for you so you wouldn't really have to be the one to manage them so uh, it's very great to see obviously that's going to reduce the friction even more so people globally can now enter into the very disruptive space of cryptocurrencies yeah, 100%. With this move in Puerto Rico, they've already gotten approval from the regulatory body to basically start offering that Bitcoin and Ethereum custodial services, which is a super progressive step forward. Obviously, Puerto Rico kind of has that reputation for being more financially lenient, let's say. And I think with this is a step in the right direction in terms of increasing that usability within that specific place. And they're really opening up the tap to both retail and institutional investors. One interesting thing to note is that they are going to offer token to token exchange as well as crypto to fiat. So they will be kind of servicing both sides of the industry rather than just acting as an on ramp. And so, next, just to talk about the next story we're talking about Trump said he's not happy with the $600 stimulus bill. 
He said that he thinks it is ridiculously low in a Trump voice, as you can only imagine. <laughs> and uh, he thinks that the Trump or the COVID stimulus bill 2.0, let's call it, should be closer to $2,000, uh, which is a significantly higher, significantly higher amount. And uh, or he even said $4,000 for a couple. So obviously he's looking to keep the Federal Reserve printers open, keep that flat cash flowing into America, into the pockets of the people who need it oh so badly. And uh, it'll be interesting this time around to see if he stalls the payments so they can be on a signed check because that was a problem. The first stimulus bill is that he intentionally delayed payments to people so it could be on a signed Donald J. Trump check and delivered to the people so they could cash it and get the money they need. Yes, it's in the picture it says right here, economic impact payment, President Donald J. Trump. It's, it's so hypocritical of him to say that this is not enough, the people need more, but the people can wait a week or more because my name needs to be on it. So it's funny how that works. But um, yeah, the printer is uh, continuing to just, you know, work its way into uh, making the dollar to just turn into oblivion. It's still continuing to go down. We're getting a little bit of hesitancy in right now in the price action, kind of just moving sideways. But uh, we're still retesting that previous strong level of support. I think the momentum is still going to go to the downside, especially when we're seeing this money printing. We recently saw the Fed keep interest rates uh, or federal funds rates at zero. So no sign of uh, the stimulus really easing at any time. So uh, yeah, I, I'm all for people getting more money because they do need it. And, and theoretically, everyone suffers because they're printing it out of thin air. But um, I think it's a, a short-term relief for sure. So yeah, we'll see if it gets delayed or not. The final topic of the podcast is uh, more information on the ledger hack. Uh, there has been some really difficult to read stories for the ledger wallet leak subreddit. Uh, definitely check it out if you want to know more, but uh, there have been people who've had some like really difficult stories to read. Some. Uh, threatening situations some people actually got their place broken into so uh we do want to say stay safe i think nathan definitely has a little bit more information relating to this yeah there's a, a subreddit reddit.com r slash ledger wallet leak and i believe there is a website called did ledger yeah that's the one uh, which is basically an online database where you can search in your email and uh, it will verify if your name was included in the list. I recommend checking it out because in some instances, there are people who didn't get an email from Ledger, but it is flagging as their information got confiscated and is circulating on the deepest and darkest corners of the internet, as is currently happening with all 272,000 individuals that had their identity compromised. And honestly, I think this is going to be a killing blow for Ledger, let's call it. I think that they've really fucked up. They are taking accountability, but they're not taking affirmative action to fix it. Their CEO said there will be no kind of financial compensation, but 
in principle, it's not even about the financial compensation. It's about the act itself. It's already happened. You can't undo it. But you can take affirmative action steps to minimize harm. Provide There has been instances where companies have provided services like credit monitoring to ensure that the client's credit scores aren't harmed further by any erroneous attacks trying to open up a credit card or any other kind of financial service. And they've really taken absolutely no steps towards damage control. And they're basically just saying it is what it is. And I don't think that's going to fly long term with the crypto community. They have harmed 272,000 people on earth who love crypto and directly correlated to that, they like their privacy. And now, regardless of any decision they made, because Ledger fucked up, their information's available online. And I think that's kind of an irreparable harm and it'll be a stain on the Ledger track record. And at least personally, my understanding of their business model is someone gets into crypto, you're helping them out, maybe telling them what exchanges to use, whatnot. I think any advice given to anyone with that and that has gotten into the crypto space recently was get your coins off an exchange, put them in a ledger. They're safe, you don't have to worry about it, but now we don't have that same peace of mind, we don't have that same guarantee. And so I think that a lot of their business is from word of mouth and I think a lot of that business is gonna go away. So it'll be interesting to see how Ledger basically survives this massive, massive injury to their public relations because there's class action lawsuits popping up in just about every country. There's already one happening in Canada. It looks like Australia is starting to accumulate information. Ledger is a company based out of France, so it would be laws that dictate it. And EU laws are pretty non-friendly to antitrust privacy and overall that kind of leaking of digital information. Like the EU regulatory bodies were the ones that went after Cambridge Analytica, the company that leaked Facebook information. And I'd imagine they would be very much interested in hearing about how Ledger managed to compromise the identity of 272,000 people on planet Earth. So obviously we're going to keep everyone updated. We're trying to provide as much information as possible concerning this stuff because there's just so many moving components in play that it's really hard to say with certainty what will happen next. Yeah, extremely well said. Uh, definitely a difficult time. I, uh, like we always say in every single podcast, if you are going through this situation, if you're maybe getting an email, a text message, definitely swing it by another person. Don't look at it and just quickly take action. Read it really carefully. Make sure the email you're getting it sent from is correct. Just look at it. Does it look legitimate? Um, you know, myself as well as Nathan both get emails and they're phishing scams or they'll have, like Nathan said, the uh, D and the G switched. So it's ledger. Uh, so little things that need to be switched in order for it to not be legitimate. And um, it's very, it's it's extremely prevalent. I, I think I've never, like actually Nathan and I talk about it, uh, there has never been a time where there's been this many scams and like shitty people in the community 
not even like within the good community, but like trying to do damage. And um, I don't exactly know why it would be now more than any other time. Um, it's not like the general retail public is really um, at the point where it's at like peak awareness. Uh, when we're looking at Google Trends, we're not even, let's say like 30% to the peak what we saw in 2017, 2018. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses as the overall market interest progresses as well. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, these scammers are only going to get more creative. For right now, it seems like they're just posing as ledger emails. But given that they have people's information, I'd imagine they'll start coming up with more complex and convoluted ones. I mean, even just this afternoon, a couple hours ago, I received one from Team Ripple in quotation marks. And they are asking for 5.05 billion XRP to fund the legal case. And you can bet your ass that's not going to go to the legal case because they wouldn't ask for the community's money to fund their problems. So I guess it goes without saying, but scammers are going to scam and they're only getting more complex with how they're doing it, with how they're doing it, their mechanisms. It's all dubious. We just want everyone to stay safe, to stay educated, because crypto is the Wild West, and there's a, a lot of nefarious actors within the space. So I think that is a good place to end it. I appreciate everyone tuning in, and I'll pass it off to Keith to wrap it all up. All right. Well, thank you very much for, yet again, tuning in, like Nathan said, for the 35th episode uh, Ripple XRP FUD, and uh, hopefully you got some information on kind of the situation that they're in. Doesn't look too great. Looks a little bit bleak, to be completely honest. The price action, not looking phenomenal. It's basically retracing back all of its gains that we saw back in late November. Uh, we do have a pretty strong level of support at around 30 cents, so uh, we'll see how it goes. We will obviously keep everyone updated, and until tomorrow, have a good one, traders.